You're good. <laughs> Jesse. All right. We'll, we'll get started this morning. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. So you can kind of go ahead and make your way there as you stretch and converse. Uh, welcome. Um, obviously, Pastor Dusty is normally leading these. He is under the weather, which he's allowed uh, to, to be from time to time. So Once a month? Yeah. Quarter. <laughs> quarter. Um, at most. But I got a call last night saying, hey, it's, it's kind of late in the game to cancel. David Anglin is really chomping at the bit to come this morning. Um, so can you can you kind of lead the way? So we'll be in Ephesians. Um, been a minute since I've been in this section, but it's, God's Word is profitable, so it's sure to be rich. Uh, good to see your faces. Let's go ahead and uh, approach the Lord. I know you that I probably already have this morning, even on your way, and just as you as you rise, there's much to be thankful for, and we need a lot of assist, assistance today to be faithful, and I know that's your heart, so that's why you're here. Let's pray this morning. Uh, God, we do, our, we're, we want to be men who are quick, very quick, um, to do many things this morning, first of which is to give you thanks, uh, that you are a gracious God who not only imparts the blessing of Lord, this physical life and time of which to use for your glory. Uh, every minute is precious. It's a gift. We're not promised even the next minute. Uh, and let, Lord, you sustain. You have allotted every portion of our days. And we want to steward these things well. Um, we thank you so much that in the midst of just whatever measure and health of health and energy you have allowed us to enjoy today, uh, we want to thank you that you render grace and mercy where we uh, improperly steward our time and our days. And Lord, that, that will no doubt even be the case uh, when we uh, lay our heads down at night. There's always better utilization of time and moments, conversations and opportunities. And we ask now, Lord, that you would use our morning, our conversation, our time in prayer, and Lord, most, uh, most certainly our time in your word that you would direct us in these things towards faithfulness. Uh, we want to be wise men who walk well. And so may you compel our hearts to this end. And Lord, would you even convict and instruct us uh, where appropriate. Lord, we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's start with kind of a really a big overarching question to make sure we, we kind of everyone's here and awake. Um, I think one is just to ask, when you think about as men... That's the nature of this meeting. Uh, what kind of influence slash legacy do we do we want to leave as men? So this is a big question, but it's it's good to muse. So let's let's pontificate on that. Um, Paul, that means to think and mull and dwell over. Um, <laughs> what kind of influence and legacy do we want to leave? What do you mean by leave? Uh, in part to to <clears throat> others, uh, say we're no longer on this planet, we're we're with the Lord. What kind of impact, legacy, impression do we want to leave on those around us? Does that make sense? Yeah, I do. Oh, really, it was happening because uh, me personally, we could say a lot about this in other world, but as far as legacy, I'm gone. I'm not here to. A lot of people want to leave their legacy and hey, here was I. So yeah. that's not my purpose. To say, West, this was, that's not what I want to do. Okay. So you know what you don't want it to be. <laughs> I don't want it to be. Like, oh, wet. You know, it's not about yeah. West. It's 
about. Yeah. Mm. Your own your own esteem and your own renown. Okay. Well, but uh, piggyback him to say you want to be, I want to be known <clears throat> as a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. If anything, mm. that'll be the only thing I want to have. Yeah. Um, and that that someone looked back and said something about me would say that you love the Lord, you follow the Lord, and it's earthly sin, obviously, um, but the grace of God blesses that, and and know that all my children would know these, um, of, know of that, or my grandkids would know of that, but, mm-hmm. so hopefully that would instill, you know, my sons or daughters to, yeah. to press on. Mm-hmm. Well, like, uh, when I stand before the Lord, He says, "Job well done, my good and faithful servant." That what that means to me is that I've done something to make this world better for Christ, uh, and that you that I did change somebody's life, mm-hmm. uh, and not only in my family but mm-hmm. everybody. Else. Could you apply 2 Timothy 2 2 to this situation? Like mm. trusting what, what we've learned to implement yeah. the teaching also? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there is a stewardship, right? What you've received in part to others, and trust to others. Mm. Be very intentional and deliberate to that end. Yeah. There's there's many things we could kind of think about, uh, and all of these are, are, are accurate. What we don't want it to be and versus what we do, right? And the reality is, even regardless of your age, this morning we're we're all we're all inf- influence, influencing other people. In the space of whether you think of I'm a father, um, and, and there's this father-child relationship, or or many, even Jim, as you said, just more. I have grandchildren, right? I'm I'm done raising children, although they they they're still now they're adults, and I have now grandchildren. That influence and impact is still still remains, right? And um, every one of us are leaving an influence on our children, our grandchildren, those around us. Um, and for me, at, here at Northlake, I'm very thankful to God that we have, we do have faithful uh, fathers, wise fathers, strong men. Um, I do not claim to have fathering down. Shocker. Um, so I do not pretend to be an expert. Um, so there's a text that uh, knocks me over routinely. Um, that we'll look at in just a moment, okay? Um, we're all influencing people, and, and it's extremely important for fathers to leave the right kind of influence, right? I think you mentioned kind of your memorial service, you project forward, your your funeral, and everything that you know people stand up and say, and um, we don't want them to wax eloquently on our accolades, right? Um, hopefully, we've lived an honorable, respectable life, but... Hopefully what's being championed is the Lord and His glory and His work of grace in our, in our lives, right? We know Proverbs 22, 6. Uh, anyone quote it off the top of your head? Okay. Okay. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it, right? Um, now, the world has taken notice of this uh, kind of very thing, this dynamic. Many years ago, there was a team of New York sociologists who attempted to calculate the influence of a father's life on his children and upon following generations, okay? Interesting look. Um, it began in the 18th century, so this is going back some time. It was a large-scale test 
that trace the influence of two men over 200 years, okay? Uh, two men researched who, who lived in the same time. You had Max Jukes, of which none of us know. Um, tell me if you do. Or, and we, they had Jonathan Edwards, okay? So two very different men. Let me tell you about each. Max Jukes was an unbeliever. He's a man of no principles. His wife was an unbeliever, and they both died in unbelief. The kind of influence they left is really, really nothing short of just debauchery and, and, and wickedness, right? They had 1,200 known descendants from this one man, Max Jukes. Um, and in that family tree... They had, they had 440 lives of outright debauchery. 310 became paupers. 190 became public prostitutes. 130 convicted criminals. Over 100 alcoholics. 60 habitual thieves. 55 victims of impurity. Um, not sure even what that means. <laughs> um, seven known convicted murderers. And so pretty much research has shown that the contribution these descendants left on society was not just zero, but actually negative, right? The cost, it actually cost the state of New York millions to simply institutionalize this family. So such is the influence of the flesh on one's family. Now, you contrast that, the polar opposite, the antithesis of this was Jonathan Edwards, well-known, most brilliant mind America has probably ever produced, uh, a noted pastor, theologian, instrument of God to really be part of the great awakening here in the U.S. The second president of Princeton College, a uh, place with the training uh, of men entering into gospel ministry. At one time, it was once faithful. Uh, he married a young woman out of the Pierpont, Pier, Pierpont family, one of the most godly families in all of the Connecticut River Valley. Uh, they came together as two believers to establish a Christian home. And together they propagated an entirely different type of influence on their family than what Max Jukes did. And not only on their family, but as we know throughout history, their impact and influence kind of even uh, really rested on the entire world. Just look at their family tree in comparison to Max Jukes when we talk about influence and legacy. In this tree, they... There are 300 pastors and missionaries uh, that can be found, 120 college professors, 110 lawyers, over 60 physicians, over 60 authors of, of books, 30 judges, 14 presidents of major universities, and numerous giants in American industry. As one said, there's no American industry, but that there was not an Edwards somewhere, someplace, who played a major role in the birth of this nation. Three U.S. congressmen, one vice president of the U.S. So takeaway is great is the influence of a godly man. And all, that's what we all desire to be this morning is godly men. Um, what's that? Oh. Let's turn to Ephesians 6, 4. I'm kind of, okay, what is impact and influence? Um, we're not going to focus on this verse, but I want to start here and then we're going to kind of um, backstroke upstream to, to previous text, right? Very familiar with it. Somebody willing to read Ephesians 6 4 for us? Yes, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, excellent. Um, real quick, why, why, why are we um, more than likely exhorted and admonished to not provoke our children to anger? 
I have a question first. What's that mean? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll open the floor. What does that mean? Provoke to anger. They're provoking you to anger. Okay. What is it like for us not to provoke to anger? Don't cause them to stumble. Okay. Don't cause them to stumble. Showing his faults versus his attributes. Okay. Okay. Being consistent and disciplined. Inconsistent, in it, it can instigate, right? Uh, confusion. Frustrating a child. Frustrating a child. Showing so, favorites. What, showing favorites. So the question, rhetorical question is that, is that disciplining them where they would get anger is not provoking them in anger? If we discipline them in anger. No, no, no. no. Oh, discipline them righteously. Oh. And, and they get ang- that uh, just because they get yeah, no, they're, they're they're responsible for their own sinful heart, but we are we are we are responsible for the Lord in 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 terms of how we steer them, instruct them, correct them, um, shepherd them. Right? We can either try to shepherd them out of um, impatience, um, um, anger ourselves. Like if you discipline your child and then you're a hypocrite outside, oh, yeah. that's going to provoke a reaction over time. Yeah. <clears throat> That. The point I was getting at is I've seen people where I don't want to my kid because I don't want to get upset at me or I don't want to get mad at you really. And that's not, yeah, that's no. not broken the anger. No. That's, that's basically... No, problem. yeah. Well, it's just, there's a difference between punishment and consequences too. Yeah. And the, con- the difference, I think, is it, the kid understands mm-hmm. the consequence. They, they understand what is happening uh, when, when you're in the consequence realm. When it's a punishment, then it's it's something affecting them versus a natural uh, thing that happens after their bad behavior. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think in even in this context, do not provoke your children to anger. The the implied here is that we a we need this instruction because what <laughs> we in our sinfulness um, our modus operandi is to operate in ways that can naturally frustrate and confuse and send it signals, even as Preston, you said, where my walk doesn't match my, my talk. And that in and of itself is uh, instigating and can, and can provoke, right? Um, the reason fathers are, are exhorted to, to not provoke is because we are prone to do just that. We heavy-handed, domineer, dominant, domineering, and at times even overbearing, right? Um, basically he's saying do not be too stern in your leadership that doesn't mean don't be strong be strong men <laughs> but also be men who are loving and patient and marked with gentleness these are things that are coming from God and the spirit and of which we ourselves and our flesh are not naturally inclined to embody right so don't provoke but also bring them up and children need to be brought up right they don't bring themselves up Right? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the root of correction, rod of correction rather shall draw it f- out from him. Right? So we must bring up and nurture, whether it be children, grandchildren, and this, this is a great privilege. This is a great task of which we need the Lord's help. He says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction. Right? Now, those two, and I said we're not going to spend time here, but those do go hand in hand. Right? Instruction. Without discipline is simply advice, right? Discipline without instruction, as even as, as someone mentioned earlier, is to provoke your children to anger. They need to know the difference between right and wrong, 
Okay, and so we want to, Lord, help me to live out Ephesians 6.4, right? And we could spend multiple kind of really Thursday mornings just unpacking that. And it's implications, it's, it's, it's practicality, it's application, etc. Um, I want us to take a step back. With that being our heart, let's go to chapter 5, right? Um, chapter 5. You're well acquainted with it, right? This tremendous section on the family itself. You have uh, these responsibilities and roles and positions in a family. You have children mentioned in chapter 6, verse 1. They're to be obedient and respectful. You have wives, chapter 5, verse 22. Uh, they're to be submissive and supportive. You have husbands in verse 25. We're to be lovers and leaders of our family, Um and we can only be good fathers, i.e. Ephesians 6.4, to the extent that we are good husbands, right? This is God's job description uh, on each member of the family that he is so wisely assigned to each part. And only God knows how to put each piece in its proper place, okay? Now, the reason why I want to focus on Ephesians 5.15 through 21, specifically even just probably our time through verse 17 um, is we have to embody this, and regardless of how old you are, where you are in your position, of, in your place in life, right? The, the applicability, the, the relevancy, it, A, because it's God's Word, this rests on everyone this morning. Let's go ahead and just read this for a moment. Uh, 5, 15 through 21. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he describes what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of God. Of Christ. Now, there's a lot there. I want to just kind of focus on three things, really. Um, as fathers, as men, we need to wise up, wake up, and watch out. Okay? Wise up, wake up, and watch out. Let's just look at the first here. Wise up. Um, verse 15, therefore be careful how you walk. Stop there. Why? <laughs> um, why are we exhorted to be careful? People are watching. Okay. Excellent. We'll come to that. People are watching. <clears throat> what else? Why be careful? The days are evil. What's that? The days are evil. The days are evil. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Anything else? You only got so much time. You only have so much time. You guys are hitting on all cylinders. If you don't watch what you're walking, how you're walking, it could go this path, this path. Sin, righteousness. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's even in, in navigational terms, right? Just a slight degree off in time puts us radically... And significantly off, off course, right? Be careful. Anything else? 
you're not careful how you're walking, you will stumble. You will stumble, right? Um, be careful, or pride goeth before the fall, right? Proverbs 16, right? Um, be careful. <laughs> What's the verse? Be careful, uh, he who thinks he stands, lest he fall, right? Okay, same principle. So be careful. The moment you feel like you're doing well, uh, be vigilant in this way, right? And, and all of these reasons. I think one, two, we have a very tireless in, enemy. I think John said the days are evil, right? Well, why are the days evil? Okay, the world is broken, it's fallen, men are suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. We know in First, first uh, Thessalonians, uh, things are going from bad to worse, right? The, the propagating of evil in a, in a world system which is God-hating and anti-God world system. Um, the enemy has been working for centuries to, to move that agenda forward, right? And now we fast forward to the year 2022, and we have everything around us from we don't even know what a woman is. Um, fast forward. Um, so be, be careful. Um, we have an enemy that's tireless. He's strategic. He's clever. Um, but also, too, Wes mentioned uh, be careful how you walk because people are watching you, right? You have little eyes. You have uh, people, tiny feet that are following after you. And I see, I think part of the implication here is there's our own life to, to be vigilant and watchful of, right? Um, but it, it also isn't just about us. Um, when we're talking about influence, and I'm thinking about some of your children and grandchildren that I even know at North Lake Bible Church, your faithfulness with Ephesians 5.15, that is being observed. Either your faithfulness or unfaithfulness is both being seen, which is, I don't know about you, but incredibly sobering um, and can potentially be terrifying, but by the grace uh, of God. Um, I think I, I appreciated, Preston, what you said. Um, be mindful that your talk is not one thing and your walk is another. Right? So be careful how you walk, how you live. Right? Um, one of my great earthly heroes is Jimbo Fisher, coach of the Texas, fighting Texas Aggie. And you got to shake your head. You say, Let your actions speak so loud I can't hear what you're saying. Right? Uh, he obviously didn't coin that. Um, and that reference was purely for David Nall. Um, we need to have a consistent godly life because we have children and grandchildren, young people, even of this church, who are either going to be compelled to follow it by God's prompting or are going to be turned off by it. They sniff out our hypocrisy. Uh, let's keep move, moving forward. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. Right? Um, I think that the sobering thing here, there's not a father, grandfather, man here today who has enough personal insight, personal discernment or understanding to adequately guide their family. Anyone, regardless of, you know, <laughs> you may say, I've already, I've already finished raising my family. Did you ever felt, feel completely adequate and competent for the task at hand? Uh, you did? All right, all right. I, I felt woefully uh, inadequate in any, every given moment. Right? Did you say adequate or inadequate? Inadequate. Okay, yeah. my adequate. Inadequate. No, no, you. It's <laughs> let the record stand. You raised. Guilty as charged. Felt I it, woefully, but that's a good place to be, right? Good place to be. So there's not one of us who has what it takes to lead our family apart from God's 
wisdom. It makes us desperate, right, for one. Uh, we must have the wisdom of God to lead our families. And notice the contrast in verse 15. You have the wise and the unwise, right? And, and Wes, you mentioned it. There's, there's really only two, two paths that lie before a father or a grandfather. There's not three, four, or five. There's just two, right? The world's wisdom and God's wisdom. There's very Psalm 1 dynamic, right? The wicked and the righteous. And we know that the outcome of both of their lives are very different even from Psalm 1. Um, the world's wisdom and God's wisdom. And those two things are diametrically opposed to one another. Right um, now, I think there. When we're thinking about there are only two ways of life, and every father is is basically on one of those two paths. Um, I, I'm also mindful that just because one is in church, that um, doesn't necessarily make you wise. Right? We don't make the strong and quick assumption that because you attend North Lake Bible Church that you or a wise individual, or that I am even wise. Uh, not every father with a Christian wife wants to establish a Christian home, right? They're not necessarily walking the path of wisdom. There, there are a lot of fathers, there are a lot of men who simply kind of want to straddle that fence of being between the two, unwise and wise, and that simply can, that's an untenable position to be in, right? Proverbs fourteen twelve. there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death, okay? So, takeaway is, what path are you on? Wise or unwise? <coughs> James 3, turn to James 3 for a moment. When we read, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. James 3 does a great job, are you familiar with it? To show us the difference between the two. Uh, <coughs> And he didn't come to hear what I had to say, so let's just kind of rest here for just a second. James really contrasts the wisdom of the world with the wisdom of God. James 3.13 Who among you is wise and understanding? And that question really sets up the whole paragraph, right? It's going to open up the section and sets the theme. Who is wise? Who is the wise father, the wise man, grandfather here today? Let him show by his good behavior. Basically, the bottom line is wisdom will manifest itself in your behavior, right? your life, your influence that you impart, not necessarily just your talk. Uh, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. And he moves on to verse 14, talking about the wisdom of the world. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, and, and that in some measure, you just think about your own home, that, just think about the ways that manifests itself even in your own your own casa, uh, jealousy, selfish ambition, bickering, competition between siblings, spouses, sort of kind of house jockeying that takes place within a home. Um, you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart. Do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. And that lie is you say you are walking according to wisdom and yet these things are kind of brewing and stewing and the lie is that there is really no reality of God's wisdom in your life or in the influence you're rendering to other people because these things are residing within, right? Jealousy, selfish ambition. Your actions are speaking a lot louder than your words. Verse 15. This wisdom, worldly wisdom, is not, right? You can underscore that. 
that which comes down from above, but is, and man, what a shocking summary this is, earthly, natural, and demonic, right? Um, that's, that's a pretty unpleasant list. Earthly, it's limited to this world and this world alone, right? It's not from above, it's from below. It's natural. It, it's not supernatural. It's not from God. It merely rises out of the flesh, our own unredeemed, unsanctified thinking. And not a whole lot of profitable things comes from that place. Uh, demonic, which is the most egregious of descriptions, right? Um, inspired by Satan himself, it stands in juxtaposition against God's wisdom. It's actually anti-God's wisdom, the polar opposite. Earthly, natural, demonic. Verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Think about your home for a moment. <laughs> your marriage, your relationship with your children, your grandchildren, really every relationship in your life. Where is their disorder? Uh, sometimes you're like, my house is chaotic. <laughs> Why is that? Um, we're spatting. We're, we're, um, we're yelling over each other. We're not listening. We're not serving. We're not deferring, right? Why is that? Well, that is the manifestation that God's wisdom is not prevailing in any given moment, right? Um, and when that happens, that results in chaos. It, it results in disorder in your home. We can think about this even in our own lives. We have knee-jerk reactions to kids. We have impatience. We do things to provoke them to anger um, and our own hypocrisy. And even in the meantime, when we're needing to show up, we slap Band-Aids on problems, and we end up only making them worse in time, right? Thankfully, praise God, he also writes verse 17, though, right? But, huge, wonderful word of which we're grateful for, but the wisdom from above. Very opposite of the world's wisdom is first pure. You think about that description, earthly, natural, demonic. We have this. It's marked by holiness, integrity, flawless. It's blameless. It's then peaceable. It, it puts into practice that it's a reconciler relationships, right? It removes disorder. It, it puts things in, in unity and in their proper place. And you think about your influence, your, your shepherding. Uh, in every context that you have, is that what your shepherding is marked by? These things, pure, peaceable, uh, gentle. There's a sweet reasonableness about the way you go about living. Uh, full of mercy, that's big, and good fruits. Uh, you're quick to forgive. You keep short accounts. You're quick to extend compassion. Um, unwavering without hypocrisy. Uh, and that last phrase just sticks it in and kind of turns it a little bit. Um, wisdom from above. And there's only two, two paths, as Wes mentioned. Way of righteous and the way of the wicked. Wise and unwise. And in that space, there's only two ways to really raise your children, right? Two ways to establish a home. World's wisdom and God's wisdom. Uh, in the Old Testament, wisdom, the root word was uh, skilled craftsman, right? Uh, someone who skillfully completes a task. It was used of a workman who completed 
the tabernacle, making careful attention to every meticulous detail. Um, The idea was this. says it is the skill to take raw materials that in and and of themselves have not been brought together and it is the God-given ability to make something beautiful with much skill, right? So wisdom is the ability to take the pieces of God's word and to skillfully weave it into the fabric of your life, right? And into the fabric of your children's lives and your wife's life. So, what is required of us to be skilled craftsmen, to take God's word and to appropriately weave them into the fabric of our life and the lives of others around us. What what is necessitated to be in place for that to, to be accomplished? I'm a good Christian home, first of all. I, can I interject something? I, yeah. My parents were Christians. Yeah. My mother wasn't a Christian. You and I both. So yeah. I think... For me, having to learn that model that you're talking about mm. was, I don't know, difficult, hard, whatever the yeah. word is. And so, growing up with a single mother, but she tried her best. And so, but yeah, all she knew was the world. And so, yeah, yeah, taking it's that, that crucible, right? Of like you say, preparing and yeah. I mean, I went to private school. I guess that was good. Catholic school. If that counts. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, anyway, growing up Catholic was difficult, I guess, a little bit, and trying to understand that I figured out that, oh, God's re- I was looking for God, but he was really looking for me. Yeah, there's, a, there's all sorts, and there's probably other scenarios of that even in this room, I, that similar story, right? I mean, there's really no reason why m- my home should... It, should look radically different than what my upbringing looked like. And it, right. and it does. And it, that's just purely of the grace of God, right. for sure. Absolutely. But you said necessitate, so it's... If it's necessitation, then it's Christ in me first. Uh, it's got to be a, a true momentous yeah. time of salvation. And if there's a true fear of the Lord that was wrung deep in me, that because mm. that drives everything that I live. There's a true fear, continual fear, yeah. and love for the Lord. Yeah, yeah. So regeneration. Not just because I have a family, right? Yeah, it's very personal. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's actually this miracle that's taking place. You, you are someone new, right? So now the compulsion within is to, to live out these things. So that I mean, that's kind of building block number one right there is to be in Christ. What else? Uh, Hebrews thirteen seven. Imitating the faith of the of your spiritual leaders and what, and imitating their faith and as they're kind of guess sitting at their feet and becoming equipped with that knowledge to yeah. use that wisdom in your life. Yeah. And Hebrews uh, thirteen seventeen as well. Just yeah. obeying your leaders and submitting to them and allowing them to shepherd you joyfully. Yeah. Allowing allow you know uh, emulating those who have done this well, imperfectly, but have embodied this in their own life, right? You take yeah, note. We have to be able to discern that later. Right. Make sure you are on the right path. Yeah. And, uh, you know, wisdom comes from our, our, our school book is Scripture. Mm-hmm. That's where we get our wisdom from. Yeah, what you said is that 
you gotta have knowledge. There's a lot of Christians. I was one of them. Became a Christian. Like, oh, now I'm a Christian. I can lead and and and, and I know I'm I know what I'm doing. This and that. But until I started reading and understand what the Bible actually says, yeah. it was worthless. Yeah, that's exactly what the verse says. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the result of their conduct. Imitate their faith. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, if we're, if we're to be to be skilled craftsmen, we have to we have to know intimately <laughs> and closely. The raw materials in the sense that we are tasked to put together. I have to, I have to be immersed in God's word myself, right? Um, as you, as you have to know what is, what are these things I'm to apply to my life. We can't even venture to talk about its application without some sort of familiarity and intimacy with it, right? Which necessitated in that is, um, a the Lord is in part a hunger for His word in me because of the work that He's done. But also, I have to be very intentional and deliberate just with the structure of my life to avail myself to the, to the wisdom found in God's Word, right? Um, it's a very prominent theme in Proverbs, right? Proverbs 4, acquire wisdom, acquire knowledge, acquire understanding. Um, later, the beginning of wisdom, acquire it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, uh, Proverbs 1, 7. So we are to be in the pursuit of God's wisdom. Jim, as you said, that it, it comes from this book. Uh, coming to it with humility and, and desperation. Lord, would you give me wisdom from above? Right? And the Lord honors that. Um, I love the way it says, Proverbs 23, 23, but buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. Right? Some people say we have too much head knowledge, too much truth. And, and the quick counter to that is, no, we don't. <laughs> we just need to apply what we already know. Right? And therein lies the, the kicker. Right? Uh, the mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools need, needs only folly. Proverbs fifteen fourteen, And then Proverbs eighteen fifteen. The mind of the prudent acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks it. Um, so be men who seeks these things. This kind of desperation you see in, this, uh, in the Proverbs, that that would mark our lives as well. We need the wisdom of God. Um, so we need to wise up. Seek that wisdom. Ask for it. Plead for it. Verse 16, let's look at that of Ephesians 5. Turn back there. Um, we also need to just wake up. Um, wise up. Wake up. Um, Paul says we must walk in wisdom with a sense of urgency now. Right? None of us can afford to begin to walk in wisdom tomorrow. I'll get to it later sort of mindset. Um, we must begin this task now. Right? Ephesians 5, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, and then making the most of your time, because, and John said this a second ago, the days are evil. Um, making the most of your time. What, what's implied there about our time? It's finite. Finite. <laughs> okay, anything else? That's what I was going for. So if you can think of anything else, excellent. <laughs> it's finite, right? It's it's limited. Um, you want to talk about just sobering there to, to ponder how much is squandered. Um, there. Our time with our wives, with our children, whatever sphere the Lord has kind of before you, that time is shrinking. 
right? Uh, which is very, very sobering and also incredibly convicting um, for me to ponder how I have this limited shrinking supply of time, opportunity for influence <laughs> um, that is literally getting smaller by the day. And then when you contrast that with my sense of urgency to be faithful with said limited supply of time, um, that's humbling, right? And challenging this morning. Um, recent study, well, this was recent when I last taught this, was, which was a long time ago. Um, the amount of leisure time enjoyed by the average person, okay? I think the numbers here just kind of more connect to just life in general, right? The amount of leisure time enjoyed by the average American has decreased 37%, more than a third. Um, whatever time you used to have with your wife and your kids literally has, has shrunk, right? It's been estimated the average American, this is why, is going to spend six months of their life sitting in traffic lights, spend one year searching for stuff on your desk, which... I question the legitimacy of that. Um, spend eight months opening junk mail. Spend two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. Spend five years waiting in line. Spend three years in meetings. The average American will commute 45 minutes to work a day. And to be honest, that's kind of growing. Um, uh, will be interrupted 75 times every day. Will receive 600 advertising messages a day, one way or another, that's competing for your attention and your, your, your thoughts. You will travel up to 8,000 8, miles every year. Uh, question that one as well. You will watch over 2,000 hours worth of TV every year. You will open up to 1,000 uh, pieces of mail every year. Now, regardless of the numbers, the principle is just how much absorbs our, our time in really frivolous, silly, unproductive things, right? Um, so... Take away the time that you have to, i.e., influence, whether you're going to be Max Jukes or Jonathan Edwards, that is shrinking. Okay, It's getting smaller. It's unraveling like a cheap sweater. And when you reach the end, um, it's going to, that's it. There's no more time, right? And, and a, a part connected to that, even as John was referencing, not only is our time limited and finite, but what was the, what's the rest of verse 16 say? Because the days are evil. Because the days are evil, right? Um, be careful how you walk, not as wise, but as wise, making the most of your time. And in part, a large reason why we are careful is because the days are evil. So finite time, shrinking time, and days which are trying to literally steer us off the course of wisdom and carefulness with our lives of stewardship, right? Um, we know this. Um, really, time doesn't permit us to go through the, the evil nature of this world, right? Especially as it relates to whether children or grandchildren. But just think about it. I think we always lament of, you know, I think about my upbringing, my childhood, you can yours as well. And then we fast forward. Think about young people today in the world that they're growing in, growing up in, and there is that dynamic. Things are going from bad to worse. Um, and it grieves us. We, we lament that. And it also compels us to be faithful. I, I want to equip those after me because Lord knows they're, they're going to need it. Um, 
with the confusion, with the very sort of anti-God agenda that is prevalent and growing each and every day, these evil days, right? I think the principle is we need to wake up. <laughs> Be careful. Make the most of your time. Yes, Wes? You, you gave all those examples, which brought a thought that uh, is finite time, but we also have ability to get time for us. Like my kids and other people's like, well, I don't have time. Like, okay, how many day, how many hours a day did you watch TV? How many hours a day? You don't have to do those things. Yeah. And, and yeah. as such, you can grab some time back, whether watching TV or or sitting traffic because you're going somewhere f- frivolously, yeah. or you can get more time if you stop doing <clears throat> stupid stuff. Like yeah. I put it mildly, yeah, yeah. The, the word there, make the most of, is redeem it, right? So you can you can assess your life, your utilization of time, and and always seek to redeem and snatch and grab hold of moments and use them. That's even this word here that for time, it's not referring to calendar time even or clock time. It's actually referring to opportunity. Every minute is an opportunity of something, right? Unique opportunities within calendar time, and he's saying grab hold. Of every opportunity, um, yeah, every moment. I took a peek time. over at the, while you were talking over at Ecclesiastes 11 2. Yeah. And uh, made me think about, you know, the days are evil because if you wait till tomorrow, what you could have done today, uh, the opportunity that was before you, maybe it was with your child to sit and have that conversation. Yeah. But it talks about putting that off that. Because you think, well, I can do that tomorrow. Yeah. I'll get to that. And it's you've missed the opportunity window. Yeah. That and, and song Cats in the Cradle. Yeah. Yeah. That's a song. That song Cats in the Cradle, I'll get Probably to the time. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> you never heard of that? Okay, I'm gonna play that. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, I have. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I need to be careful. I'm gonna be careful and I'm gonna make the most of my time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so well, you you said it. You said it, Preston. Right. Um, make the most of our time because there, there's going to be pockets and windows of time that are going to be closed tomorrow. You can't recover it. Which again, if we're talking about sobering, I can't. But I don't get a mulligan. I don't get to do it over again. Right. And by God's grace, there's going to be other opportunities uh, going forward. But that particular moment and that opportunity is to never be had again. Um, like we hold back for tomorrow. I need to reserve this. But now it's not. Why do, why do you think that is? What, I mean, what are some of the reasons why? You know, when you read that verse, um, yeah, we just, I think it's a, because of the battle that's happening for what I think is best is one part of it. Inside of selfishness is pushing that off. Okay. To make time. Okay. Um, that I have time. Is there something else prioritized? Okay. I, I, it, you can go down and start. You got to look in your heart though and see. You know why am I? Why mm. do I keep holding this, these things back? Mm. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like when your wife is urging you to have that conversation with your kid mm-hmm. that you need to have. You know, with the dad, and you're putting it off because it's like maybe just feel inadequate, like we said earlier, to have it. Mm. Yeah. Fear of failure. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the big issue for fathers is, is our fear. Mm-hmm. You know, I was an unbeliever when I became a father, but when I became a Christian, fear 
got a hold of my fatherhood quickly because I realized, man, I'm messing up. Yeah. Maybe I'm really good. Like insecurity, inadequacy, those type of things. Right? Yeah. yeah, but laziness too. Fired on all cylinders. Yeah, I think no one talks to you more than you. So you tend to tell yourself, "Yeah, I'll wait till tomorrow. I'll wait till whenever to get it done." And then, yeah, <coughs> counterproductive self-talk, right? Um, hopefully, the conviction comes and you're able to push through it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you guys just said a lot of things. I mean, it was just still it down. And, and let me know if I'm forgetting one. Like you mentioned selfishness, just simply prioritizing other things. So it's even hard to be keen on when an opportunity is in front of us because we're the blinders are on. Uh, we're very myopic in our perspective, right? Self, my lane, work, advancement, provision, <laughs> uh, the stresses and strains of just being. Protector, provider, um, the, maybe the leader quality starts to, <coughs> start to subside. We start chasing lesser things. I think that's another thing too. Is is um, we're the failure to live out Colossians three. Where you know, if I'm not setting my mind on things above, um, I I'm not. I I do not perceive opportunities as I ought. Right. I'm very blind. And they pass by me, and it's not until afterwards that I go, man, my son just tried to talk to me, and it was really late, and I'm really tired, and I just shoved him off to bed. That's kind of my 14-year-old right now. Like, he wants to talk late at night, and it's not a manipulative tactic. He just, like, that's his time to just, and I'm going, sitting there doing this, and I'm telling myself, (laughs) redeem the time. Make the most of it. I will not have this back. Um, you said laziness, John. That takes effort, right? The refraining from doing one thing, whether it be leisure, relaxation, mm-hmm. and the intentionality to do something else. Um, to converse, to listen, to think deeply on something and help someone all takes effort and energy. Um, you think, guys, think of anything else that's come to mind and I'm missing something? All sorts of reasons why we, why we don't spend any the time. Some of the best conversations were always in the midst, especially with my son, would be doing something in a project, doing something, we go throw the ball, you know, you go camping with them, you know, you gotta, you gotta make time, yeah. you just gotta make time, and then yeah. the conversations will, are gonna come. Yeah, yeah. And I, if you're, if you're not a father, your kids are grown, I mean, they're, just, okay, your wife, right, your marriage, um, your grandchildren. I mean, this this the wisdom from above manifests itself, and regardless of where you're at in life, uh, all of you have relationships, and the impl- uh, implementation of this, the carrying this out, is is uh, relevant to to all of us. So uh, we can point it to if I'm going to live out of Ephesians six four because I'm a father, right in the midst of fathering, um, I am not going to do that. If I'm not carrying out Ephesians 5, 15 through 21, right? Being careful, not as unwise, but wise. Making the most of the time for the days are evil. Joe? Um, be careful um, to listen well to your children when those times you're talking about mm-hmm. um, present themselves or that you um, 
take the time to go on a trip or do activities that can foster time with your son, per se, late at night when he's ready to go, I want to talk, yeah. and you're nodding off or whatever. Yeah. And, but to active, with all that, actively listening to your son or daughter, yeah. keep your mouth, just listen. <laughs> it's hard not to say anything. Yeah. And as more of my kids are growing up, I'm gone with grandkids now, it's listening is the biggest thing. Yeah. They'll, they'll, talk more, they'll talk more and more. You, Less you say, yeah. you don't even get a, yeah. and they're already talking and you don't to not even verbalize that, like you're wanting. They yeah. know what you're wanting to say and you yeah. just like hesitate. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Yeah, and it's just important. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Make the most of your time, which, what a great word here as we set out about the rest of just even this Thursday as you think of what's in front of you. I think the last thing, verse seventeen, is is. Wise men, um, watch out, right? You Watching out for the will of God is, is the idea here. Verse 17, so then, right? Uh, this connection is God's wisdom, verse 15, always leads to God's will, verse 17. Um, so then, do not be foolish, right? A restatement of verse 15, but understand, right? Use our minds to discover something, namely God's will. I am in the pursuit of always discerning um, and understanding, right? What, what is God's will for my life in any given moment? That's not a mystical experience of we feel what the will of God is or sense what the will of God is or guess what the will of God is. It's none of that. Praise God. We understand it cognitively, intellectually. We we're perceptive to it of what God would have us do in any given moment in relationship, right? We're very familiar with Romans 12. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by what? Renewing of our mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The will of God is proven, discerned, perceived through a renewed mind, right? And on a practical level because our time is closing. Um, we know the pathway. Our pastors talked about that, of renewing our mind, right? Uh, that comes by God's Spirit through His Word. And necessitated in that is that we avail ourselves to these things. We have a tremendous helper, amen? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have tremendous provision in this book. It is a treasure. We need it. We're desperate for it. Uh, we are bums without it, without both of them, Okay? Um, I want you to say that with me this morning. I am a bum without it. Um, <laughs> you are. Big bum. So let me close this in prayer because one of the past, pastors said, start at six, check, and end at seven. Okay? So we want to be faithful. But we know you have to, men have to get to work and other tasks. Let's pray. God, we, we're grateful for this morning. and We just pray for our pastor. I think we want to be quick to do that as we tend to the rest of our day who's, who's ailing and yet trying to focus on uh, Hebrews 2.18. Uh, what a rich verse. We look forward to that to Sunday. Would you prepare us in advance? Prepare the, our entire church family. We, we pray on their behalf that there would be a sense of readiness, uh, that your spirit would already be working and priming the pump for, for our gathering corporately for the purpose of lifting high your great name. Um, We pray that we would be uh, 
soft and malleable and humble in our disposition as we joyfully place ourselves under your word. And whatever work that you desire to accomplish in Hebrews 2.18, Lord, we ask that you would render it for your glory in powerful ways. We're grateful for what we've already covered in Hebrews. We were just covered, talked about last night in small group, just how rich this book has already proven to be. It's really exciting to think about the remainder uh, over the next months and years to come. We pray for our pastor, and and no doubt when we're not feeling well, um, utilizing our time and and being sharp about these things, Lord, uh, it it makes us desperate. It puts us in in a good place, but uh, it's also humbling. So I pray that you would energize him, help him to mend and recover as he he goes to the doctor today, and we pray that he would be able to join us even on Sunday, full of power and conviction and the leading of your spirit. We do ask as we have read Ephesians 5, 15-17, um, we have no pretense that when we leave this place, we're going to be able to embody and live that out apart from your enabling. And so um, we ask that you would assist us. We want to be faithful to carry this out uh, and help us to know and perceive in a very uh, individual basis of, of where this needs to show up in, in this day and what relationships this uh, needs to take a pronounced form or May you steer us towards greater faithfulness as we tend about our day. Uh, We want to use it well. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, man, for coming. Preston, as always, thanks for hosting. Appreciate you. Thank you, Wade, for filling in. Yeah. Admiral John. Young man. Wes. I sent you something. Please read it. Okay. It will. It actually made an impact on one of the young kids. Okay. Words are very, very. Okay. I will do. I will. But we are a different generation. You go like, what the heck's he talking? This is like generation. Play